Okay, it is going. Right now. So if I'm talking to the mic, it should be. Alright, but Joe's gonna hit it, right? Yeah. Alright, make sure that it's like the Yeah, okay. That way. So it's again. Um, ben, I hope you're getting all this. Let's just leave that. Okay. After speaking, I'll speak more. Okay, enough. Stop talking to your neighbors. We're done. Now just finish your conversations. You can answer me. So, um, we are really excited to be here today. Um, most of you, I think, know us. I'm Chris, this is Jimmy. Uh, ben, our regular pastor, is still gone. They're on a very wonderful vacation. Um, so Jimmy and I will be speaking today on worship, and we'll be actually doing a little different, we'll sing in between. Um, but before we do that, I have a very important announcement to make. The CBCB. Ladies outing. It's August 15th. That would be this Friday. Saturday. This upcoming Saturday is the last summer outing. Uh, people are meeting in the church parking lot, which would be the insurance parking lot back this way, at 12 o'clock noon if you want to ride. Um, and then lunch at Bill Bateman's Perry Hall, which is apparently a restaurant at 12.30. So if you're driving yourself, you can go then or you can offer a ride at 12 o'clock. So, Bill Bateman's Perry Hall, 12.30, mini golf at 2.30, which I'm really sad that this is just a ladies thing, because I want to golfing, um, and there's a Facebook event page. I'm guessing the event page is called CBCB Ladies Outing. If not, check the CBC um, Facebook page. There'll probably be a link there. So, RSVP by August 14th, which is the day before. Uh, anyways, thank you for letting us speak. Even though you didn't have much say in the matter, Ben asked us to do this last year around this time when they were on vacation, and it was I think better for us to do than it was maybe for those people who are listening, um, because to prepare for a message, to prepare for talking about something that you care about and that you want to convey the correct way, is probably uh, one of the hardest things to do, and it makes you respect your pastor a lot more the fact that they do it every week. Um, but we're going to pray us in, and then we're going to start talking. So, God, thank you for letting us be here together as a church family. Um, it's just so good uh, to be in your presence and, and just stand here and talk about you and get to get to interact um, with you and with this group, with this family. We're just so thankful for that opportunity. So we ask that you um, really fill this room and, and that the words that are coming out of our mouths are really coming from you, that they're not our egos, that they're not our thoughts, but that they're um, guided by you so the people in this room can hear what you want um, them to hear. We love you, we praise you, and we worship you. Amen. So, we're going to start with, uh, Abby was going to actually tell her story. She is taking care of a very sick cat right now, um, so she's not here. But instead, I'm going to share part of her story, and she's going to be okay with it. Um, so, this is this is a wonderful, I think, worship story to share, and I know it's not coming from her, but... It's kind of neat. Maybe she'll share it afterwards and you hear her side of the story. Um, but Abby came from a really traditional church background, and I came from a uh, non-traditional church background. 
So I was going to stadium events and she was going to uh, very traditional organ music hymns. So when we kind of were in our dating phase, engagement, all of that, it's kind of interesting because we started looking at churches, and I was already actually attending here in Baltimore CBC, and she had gone and looked at some things, but for her, this was this new experience. And looking at someone experiencing worship in a completely new way is um, its something that I think is a really joy. It's just a joy to do. If you see someone kind of being able to open up their spirit, it's just a really cool thing to do. Um, but I, you also have to realize there's there's a way that she can see me. So when I go back, when we go back to her home church in Chicago, it's the same thing. When she sees me kind of in a traditional setting, it's the same thing. She kind of gets to see me in a new way. She, she can see how um, I handle the idea of worship being a foreign concept to me. Um, because it is. And if you've been to other churches or you've seen a different type of worship style, I'm sure you understand. There's some that maybe you like and some that maybe you don't like as much. But it's let's be honest. At the truth of it, it is all worship. The idea of worship music being worship music is is rather simple, as we're, we'll talk about today. Um, but as she kind of came, this, this is the part of the story that I think is um, rather fun. Um, I got more involved. I've been a musician for a long time in my life. So I, I told Ben, hey, if you need an extra guitar up there to have backup, because he was doing it all alone at the time, I will gladly play for you. That's a nice way of me saying, Ben, I can really help you out. Um, if you need a few tips, no. Uh, he was gracious enough to let me play with him, and slowly as we moved and as we grew, we went from a smaller theater to the bigger theater, and there was an extra mic, and I'm pretty sure Rebecca came up to Abby and said, Abby, we have an extra mic, you're going to sing. And Abby said, I don't really feel like, you know, Abby's a, more of a shy personality than I am, I don't know if that's, you're going to sing. So Abby came up and she sang and, and talking to her over the last two years, which we've both been doing this now uh, at this church, singing and playing together. It's deepened her relationship with God. It's deepened our relationship as a married couple. It's really, um, it's really something to go in and worship God on a Sunday morning. And it's something else to prepare by worshiping. I mean, we practice. But when we practice, those are some of our best moments as a couple. We get to sing, sit together and sing and, and play guitar or play piano and do all these things together as a couple that if, if Abby hadn't been bold enough to say, okay, Rebecca, I'll go up there, we would have never had. If I hadn't been bold enough to go to Ben and say, okay, Ben, um, we would have never had that. And we're going to be talking a lot about how to prepare your heart for worship at home, um, how to worship at home, not just worship together. We're not talking about how to do harmonies. We talked to Mariah about that earlier today. We're not talking about that. That's not the idea of today. The idea is uh, what is worship as a congregation, but um, more importantly, what is worship as in our relationship with God um, and our personal relationships with God. So I'm going to read a little bit of scripture because it would be wrong with me to not do that. And let's be honest, it's better than anything we will come up with. This is John 4. 19 through 24, and I'm sure some of you have heard this story before. You have Jesus going to the well to get some water. There's a Samaritan. Again, remembering that the Samaritans and Jews, uh, let's just say they weren't buddy-buddy. There's, there's better ways to put it, but talking to a Samaritan woman, talking to a woman who, um, she also, if you look at the pre-story, she was an adulteress, and he called her out on that. So there's all these things that Jesus is doing wrong. Um, things that everyone told him, you can't do that, that's against the law, against 
the law that, again, remember, Jesus was came down here to perfect. So this is kind of his response as they continue the conversation. So if you want to read the rest of your story, Ken, we're going to focus on this. 19, verse 19. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship? Well, we Samaritans claim it is here in Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshipped. Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. So before, yeah, yeah. Before we get into um, kind of this idea of how we respond in worship and the how and the how and the how, I think we would be we would be not very smart if we didn't talk about the kind of worship that God calls for. Now again, this is not a worship that we only do on Sunday mornings or evenings. This is not a worship that we only do once a week. This is the idea of being in a constant state of worship, being um, in the presence of God, looking at Him all the time and saying, yes, God, um, I want more of you. Yes, God, um, you treat me well. For me this week, this has been weird. I said Abby was taking care of the cat. We don't have kids. We don't know what it's like to have kids. Look, you all, all you people with kids, props to you. Like, you have lots of skills that I have not developed yet. But for us, we have two little kittens, and we love them a lot. And we don't pretend that they're kids, but at the same time, we do pretend that they're kids. Because the way that we treat them, if you've ever heard Abby talk about cats, yeah, it's, she can go on for days, and I can too. So the secret is... She talks about the cats, but I'm the one that actually got her to get the cat. I'm the real cat lover. You just didn't know that. Um, I'm just a self-conscious cat lover. And uh, one of our cats is very sick, went to the vet. She's being an Like, all this crud has been happening from Wednesday till now. Um, all of this stuff has been happening this week. I don't know why. I don't care why. But what it tells me is that, and I'm I'm sure those of you with children, with people that you know that are suffering, people that you care about are in pain, um, I think the reason, one of the reasons that that I'm really glad it happened this week is that I could look and stand here and honestly say that that should not, um, I don't want to say this in a negative way, I should still worship God. I should still desire to worship. And that's not a thing that you, you come to. I don't think that's, and Jimmy's going to talk a lot. That's not like something that's easy. There's no way, if, especially if you had a kid that was sick or you had someone you knew that you really cared about go to the hospital, if you've had deaths in the family. Like, that's not fun. And that is not, it's not okay. But I think that one of the reasons we kind of get into that is this idea that God wants us to worship in spirit and in truth. And he wants us to do it anyway. If he wanted to, he could have kept the worship part of things in the temple. He could have kept that a thing that people did. He could have brought down Jesus, right? And said, Jesus, you're going to save all these people. But the worship thing I've got going right now is okay. I'm okay with only the priests taking care of that, doing that in the temple. That's really okay. But you, you know, you've saved our sin. We've got the eternal thing taken care of. But he didn't. He said these words. Jesus came down and said, look, it's, there's a time that's coming, which it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. 
And we get to do that at any time. Now, to worship in spirit is to have a passion for God. And that's, I think, uh, sometimes the harder thing for some people, right? To worship in truth is to have a knowledge of God. And that's the hard thing for other people. I'm a person that I feel like it's more natural for me to worship in spirit. That is something that is more normal for me. For Abby, I can't speak for anyone else. I can only speak for her. Um, she is someone who can worship in truth. The knowledge of God is something that really speaks to her. So it's, it's one of those balances that I think you probably know yourself and you're thinking to yourself right now, where do I struggle? Do I struggle with worshiping in spirit or do I struggle with worshiping in truth? If you've got them both down, awesome. Um, passion, though, to me is something that comes easily. It's probably best summarized in German bread. If, if you've ever been to Germany, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, if you've never been to Germany, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But I grew up in Germany, and German bread is the best thing I've ever had in my life. I'm talking about a simple roll. Yeah, it, it is the best. That I, I've gone to bakery. I go seek out bakeries wherever I go to find German bread, and I have never found it. And that is a passion. I went back to Germany to visit. My brother lives there, and my sister-in-law is there. And I went back, and the first thing I wanted to do was not speak German or practice or hang out with them even. It was literally go to a bakery and get a German roll. That's what I wanted to do. And that is passion. Like the idea of wanting nothing else but that wonderful, delicious loaf just, uh, I'm going to stop. The point is, that's what passion is. When, when God says worship in spirit, he wants that passion from us. And that's not easy. That's, that's not something that uh, after this week, I don't feel like, uh, my emotion is not right there. That's something that I have to push myself towards. When he says worship in spirit and truth, like, I have to then say, okay, I'm going to worship in spirit and truth. Um, but spirit without truth leads to the shallow emotional experience that's basically a high. And I don't want to uh, speak as knowledge of someone who struggled through drug addiction. I would be amiss to say, I'm not going to say that. But the idea of it is comparable to what people define as this, this high. You kind of have this spiritual experience. And if you look at the spiritual movement or the idea of spirituality, there's a reason for that. People desire that. They desire a spiritual experience. But an emotional experience is in the moment. An emotional experience dissipates when the emotion fades, and emotions do fade. That's why they're emotions. We're in constant flux. So when we worship just in spirit, then we're only worshiping emotionally. We're not grounded in something that will keep us going when that fervor kind of cools. But we can't just worship in truth as well. To worship in truth alone, um, I know a lot about Star Wars. I love Star Wars. Joe understands this because we, we sent him a picture. We have Admiral Akbar in like this really cool Napoleon hat. If you have no idea what I'm saying, that's okay. That means you're cool. Um, we have this. I love Star Wars. I love Star Wars so much. When I was a kid, I read all of the books that existed, which apparently now with the new movie coming out, they mean nothing. So I was depressed for like a week when I heard this. But the Star Wars books, I, mean, I could tell you, you know, the son of Luke Skywalker is Ben Skywalker, okay? And he ends up becoming a bad. There's a lot of stuff that you don't know that I know about Star Wars. That's a knowledge. These things that we just desire. I think a lot of people uh, like to look at different things. That's what we say in teaching all the time. You're a math person. You're an Englishman. That's knowledge. The idea of knowing something front and back that you can kind of brag to other people about. But in the same way, truth um, without knowledge 
can be dry. It can be a passionless, a passionless encounter that can easily lead to a form of joyless legalism. And when he says worship in spirit and in truth, he wants that truth to be the reason we're worshiping. He wants the scriptures to be the reason we're worshiping. But if we do that without spirit, um, honestly, what he's saying is we're going to turn people off of what he has to offer because there is joy in what he offers. So that's the basic idea of what worship is. What we're talking about worship, that's what I want to stick in your mind. This idea of worshiping in spirit and truth as Jesus calls us to. We want a combination of something that forms a grounded passion. The idea that I care deeply about something that I intimately know. That's the way that God loves us, right? He cares deeply about us and he intimately knows us. And that's the way that he wants us to love him in response. And us worshiping him is us showing our love to him and saying, yes, we want to know you and we want to care about you. We do know you. We do care about you. So, So yeah, uh, just following up from what Chris has just been talking about, um, I want to talk a little bit about, about our response to God in worship. Um, so, um, you know, we talk about who God is, um, what he desires of us, and um, how do we respond in worship? What is our worship response supposed to look like or be like? Um, so I will start by reading um, Romans 12 on might be very familiar to many of you. Um, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Um, so uh, our, our relationship with God, um, our walk with God, really is a constant act of worship. Right? Um, you've probably heard you know, worship as a, is a lifestyle, but just something you do. But um, our response and the entirety of our response, how we live our lives, is worship. Um, and that worship is not circumstantial. It's not situational, right? Um, uh, the worship that comes from the heart is worship that remains. So God doesn't change, right? God is who he is, uh, regardless of the situation or the circumstance. Um, and because of that reason, then our worship of him shouldn't change, right? Um, in the good, in the bad, um, wherever we find ourselves. Um, so that worship, we express First and foremost, in, in a sacrificial living, um, we've got at the center of it all. Um, and, of course, reading through the Psalms and other books of the Bible, we see in the various ways, um, the variety of expression um, that springs from, from that uh, worship. So singing, dancing, making music, playing instruments, of course, uh, we do that. But there's, there's a whole lot more um, to that, right? Um, so yes, our response really is centered on the knowledge, like you're talking about, knowledge of who God is. Um, and when we understand that, when we know that, then yes, we are drawn deeper into uh, this beautiful uh, walk with God. So I'm going to read, um, and you don't have to turn to the, the passages if you want to just take note, but uh, Psalm 95 verses 1 to 6 um, is one passage that, again, uh, talks about some of the ways we respond to God um, in worship. So, uh, verse 1. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving. Next, all him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. 
Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God. We are the people of His pasture, the flock under His care. Right, and so, so we see um, uh, this idea of who God is, what He does for us, uh, our, looking at ourselves in the right relationship to Him, and, and from that springs out, you know, the singing, the um, the shouting aloud, the thanksgiving, um, the bowing down, the kneeling before Him, our Maker. So. Um, Understanding who he is, understanding, um, yes, really just understanding that, that draws us closer um, into um, that response of worship. Um, and another psalm I really like, uh, Psalm 29, um, verse, uh, verse 2. Uh, right, it talks about ascribing to the Lord the strength and glory due his name. So ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name, worship the Lord. The splendor of His holiness. Um, so God is a holy God, um, and, and just that alone, um, because of the glory, deal Him, we worship Him because of that. Um, so we, so we dance, we we sing. I mean, we don't just dance for God, right? We dance at parties, we dance at other things, right? We we sing out, or we we feel of joy when stuff is going good. You get a you know a new job, or you get like some money or something, and you're feeling happy. And so, I mean, it's natural to feel. Good, right? When good things happen. So, like Chris was saying earlier, feelings are ephemeral. Like emotions come and go, right? They, you know, one day you're high, another day you're on the low, and uh, you know, we kind of go through the undulations of life. And um, but God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Like Jesus Christ is the same. So, our response should always be worship, regardless of what happens. And I want to talk a little bit about just pain. Um, it's power of life. Jesus said we'd have trouble, but you know, do not you know be afraid. I will come to the world, and that's John sixteen thirty three. But uh, we go through trouble, we go through pain. Um, I think you know, probably no one here is a stranger to pain. Um, this year, alone in our church, we've people have experienced loss in some form of pain or tragedy, or losing someone, losing something, losing um, losing stuff, um, and. Uh, I'm sure there are many times you've been at a place where you're asking God, like, why, like, you know, why am I, what, what is this? Um, why am I going through this? Um, like, and um, moving from the why am I, why me, why this, and then, oh God, where am I supposed to learn through this? And all, but all the questions, right? All the, all the questions, and how do we worship through that? How do we, how do we respond through that, right? You come to the church, and, like, your face looks like death, and everyone else is, like, singing and laughing, and, you know, like, and you feel like maybe um, why is everyone so happy or like or you feel maybe ignored or like you know like how am I supposed to like sing here how am I supposed to uh, be part of this um, I don't know who's been there before but how, what do you do um, do you just you know sit and just like you know shrug your shoulders and, and so these are you know these are all the externals but that that's What's happening in the heart is even more important. Like, where's your heart? Where's our heart? Um, do we still see God even in those times? Um, um, and one story I really like is Job. Um, I'm, I'm going to read part of chapter one. Um, Job is probably one of the most quoted, most famous characters in the Bible. Um, but one part that struck me this year, um, reading that part of it again, was his attitude, like, even from the very, very beginning. So, you know. A lot of the book is all about, like, God telling Job who he is and, like, you know, and even in light of that, like, 
he has a right to complain and all that. But let's let's just go through the first chapter of Job um, for a bit. So after Esther, where are they? Sorry, before Psalms. Um, and I'm just gonna kind of read around. I'm not gonna read the entire chapter because it's it's long. Um, but I'll start with the, the you know the introduction and then uh, the part where things happen. So. In the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters, and owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. His sons used to take turns holding feasts in their homes. They would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them, and when a period of fisting had run its course, Job would send and have them purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. Right. So just take all that in. Blameless, upright, literally nothing against this man. Had all this stuff and very God-fearing. And, you know, Satan goes on and says, you know, does Job fear God for nothing? And, and on and on, and God gives him permission to take stuff away. And so, verse 18. So you've had a series of messengers come and give Job one piece of bad news after the other. Um, and in 18 he says, While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from a in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them, and they were dead. And I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. I mean, so everything had been lost up to this point, and finally his children, right, his blood. And Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship. And said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I hid apart. God gave, and the Lord has taken away, and that's where we get the song from, right? Blessed be the name. May the name of the Lord be praised. And in all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Um, and so, yeah, his first response, like he fell to the ground in worship. Like, who does that? Like, who would do that? Um, and and that, that was a huge challenge for me. Um, that we, when stuff happens, we, you know, our first response should be worship. Like, God, you're awesome. God, you're good. Like, Regardless of the stuff going on right now, God, you're good. And and in that in that strength, you can come in and sing songs of praise and worship to God, even when things are hard. And all that cannot happen if, of course, yes, um, we you know we're human, so we process things, we, we we have to grieve things, we have to go through stuff. But in that that realization of who God is should not change, and that always informs the response. One more passage I want to uh, read. Um, another one uh, is Habakkuk, uh, chapter 3. Um, a very interesting prophet. Uh, I actually don't know much about him, but if you read that book, just three chapters, um, this is someone who was, basically, he knew what was coming to uh, Judah or Israel and God's judgment. And and in, in, in chapter 3, just really acknowledging who God is, and I'm just going to read his words, because... have some time to turn to it, see if you know where it is. Micah, Nahum, and Habakkuk. Uh, right. Verse 17. Uh, verse 16 to 18, right? Um, so I heard and my heart pounded and my lips quivered at the sound. 
Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. But though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. So that's a really powerful statement. Right. Basically, when everything's not going well, when there's no money in the bank, no food to eat, I guess, no, no crops, no, you know, whatever else uh, we need to survive and all that, yet I'll rejoice, right? Not just rejoice, but be joyful in God, my Savior, right? Um, and so if we really spend some time really thinking about this, um, being joyful in God uh, is an awesome thing. And, um, and you probably I don't know how many of you have experienced that where you're you're going through a really hard time you're in pain but you're still smiling you're still spending through the tears you're God is really pouring into your heart and doing something mysterious that you can't explain and that happens when you worship that happens and that worship is something that doesn't just happen when you're singing or in church on Sunday morning that and we'll talk about that in some other but that's something that is a constant state of your heart like worship surrender submission humility Sacrificial living, um, uh, understanding your place um, before God. So as we grow closer to God, um, we enter into this place of deepening desire to know more, more of who He is, um, and that knowledge, you know, again moves us into a place of worship. And so yeah, we're gonna take a uh, uh, sing a song, um, a new song here, and you know, just really. Uh, Speaking to that desire to know more and more of who God is, and I just pray, just like, worship through the song, and you don't have to sing the words, but just, just enjoy a moment with the Father.
says this is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. 
And you will learn to know God's will for you, which is a good, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And people often, they, they focus on the copying the customs of the world and they focus on the don'ts and that idea. But really, we can't miss the do's. We can't miss what he says. He says, let your bodies be a living and holy sacrifice. He doesn't say only on Sundays, put your hands. No, that's not what it's about. Um, but he says, let that happen. He says, this is truly the way to worship and let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. That's what we're talking about. Changing the way we think. Um, changing the way we're, where our heart is, as Jimmy was saying. But at the same time, like we're still here some, And we can't ignore that. And Jimmy will talk more about what we can do homes, but there's a place also for this group worship, because if you keep reading Romans 12, and you read verse 3, which comes right after, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning, don't think you are better than you really are, be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us, just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body, we are many parts of the body, and we all belong to each other. And if we weren't meeting once a week or twice a week, if you're, if you're meeting in a life group as well, we're not taking that second part in our mind. We can't just all go into our rooms and worship God for, you know, our entire lives. That would, you know, I, and, and I mean that. We, we can't hide our spiritual side away. We can't, um, we can't do this alone. We do need God more than anything. But we also need each other. We need brothers and sisters to come lift us up in time. So that those times when Jimmy's talking about where it's hard to sing, you have two people on your left and right singing. You know, that's a beautiful thing. That's why we come together on Sundays. So when it's it's tough and you're going through all that crud and you look at yourself and you say, I'm not worthy, I can't worship in a way that is acceptable to God, you have someone on your left and someone on your right who is, and you can draw on that. That's why we come together. We belong to each other as a church. Um, and that's a beautiful thing. The body doesn't work individually. Um, we worship together as a sign of unity. Um, this is not to manufacture a worship experience. This is not to get you into the worship mood. This is not to do that. We can't do that. That's not the idea of it. Our worship on a Sunday is fueled, though, by how we're worshiping at home. Um, the way that we're leading our lives affects the way that Sundays go. It affects the faces you see here. It affects the faces that you may not see here right now. Um, what we're doing at home. And that's not saying, I'm not saying that to convict you and say, hi, you got it. No, the idea of that is that we can't uh, forget what God called us to do. And in verse um, three, he says, don't think that you're better than you really are. It's not all about us. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Measuring yourselves by the faith that God's given us. So I think that's important to remember as well. An important part of a healthy family is the health of the individuals involved. You can't just leave this Sunday say, yeah, it's a good service. You're a man who really felt God's presence at church this week and then watch Sunday night football and move on with our lives. It has to be something um, where we worship beyond the walls of the church. And Jimmy's going to talk a little bit about that. <clears throat> Sorry, just need to drink some water. Um, so. So let's return to this thought of our bodies as living sacrifices. Um, if you grew up in church or if you've been around uh, 
mean, this passage is something you've read a lot. If you, this is something you know, this, you know, do not become formed, and then this is the preceding verse. And we, talk, we say living sacrifices all the time, but what is a, what is a sacrifice, right? And, I mean, you know, in the Old Testament, the uh, Israelites had to, you know, uh, offer up grain and animals to be burned, right, uh, to atone for sins, uh, to, uh, the sins of the, you know, the people. Um, so that idea of a sacrifice was something to appease or to, to take away, and then the blood was shed, and the smell and all that, and so it was this whole ritual, right? And so, and, uh, and you know, the animal had to give up their life, uh, or you know, the grains were burned. So that's where you know that comes from. And now, um, the other big story in the uh, you know in the Old Testament where God asked uh, Abraham to sacrifice his son, his only son, right? Um, so. I'm not going to read that passage, but if you know the story, I'm just going to say a little about it, right? Abraham took his son, put a bunch of sticks on his back, led him up to this mountain, and then t- put the, uh, the firewood or the sticks on, and then took his son and tied him and bound him up, right? So Isaac couldn't move. Um, he was the sacrifice, right? And he was going to basically kill his son until God you know, said, stop, I see you're faithful, and you know, brought a ram. So that's another example of what a sacrifice right, looks like. What the sacrifice is. So the sacrifice was bound to the stem and was going to be killed. Um, and God said, "Stop! I see that you know you, you were not you were not you were willing to to not withhold your only son from me." And you know, that was counted to him for his faithfulness. And then God, you know, He gave His only Son, right? Sacrificed Jesus on the cross. And in that moment, where Jesus was like, "My God, My God, why have You forsaken me?" and and he, he poured the weight of uh, the sin of the entire world on his shoulders. So, sacrifice, right, is given up, right? And so in everyday terms, you know, you know, parents, you know, they sacrifice a lot for their kids, or they sacrifice a lot for this person, or for that thing, you know, to get this thing. So we, we think of it in terms of things we give up, right, usually for a greater cause or some benefit, either to ourselves or to someone else or to something in the future, um, in the present, right? So, so just take all of that and then come back to this idea of, okay, brothers and sisters, right? In view of God's mercy, in view of God, what God has done for you, you know, let us offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. Um, so the sacrifice really can't do I don't want to take the analogy too far, but so we are giving ourselves and our bodies up to God to be used in His service, however way He deems fit for us to be used. And, um, and you know, we use the phrase "give up" so much right now that honestly, I don't know what it means to anyone anymore. So, um, but so we're giving up ourselves to God, and we are the sacrifice, and we're saying, "Hey, God, this is our, this is me, this is my body. Use it, right? What do you require of me? What do you want me to do?" And that's a question we always ask, like, God, what's the next step? What do you want me to do? How do I... So, okay, sure, I want to worship you. Like, what do I do? Like, yeah, I sing and dance and all that, but what else do I do, right? Um, uh, what's my reasonable act of worship? That's what the first is, right? This is your reasonable act of worship. Um, uh, there's several answers to that question. Um, but I'm going to focus on a few. And um, before I go into uh, the verse I want to talk about, um, I just want to provide a further motivation for this. And as Chris was saying earlier... Um, it's not just something we do on a Sunday um, or when we gather with um, other believers in the life group. 
Jesus is very particular about this, and he gave, he made the Pharisees a very good, uh, big example of this because these were people who were they upheld tradition right above even the worship of God. And um, in Matthew chapter fifteen, um, uh, you know, Jesus was talking about the Pharisees and talking about how, you know, they. And in verse six says, uh, "You nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition, um, you hypocrites." Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. Right. So our worship is really in vain if our hearts are not in the right place. Right. And, uh, and so when our hearts are in the right place, then our worship is not in vain. But when our hearts are in the right place, then what are we doing? Like what things are we doing? Right. Um, how are we living as sacrifices, lives completely offered up to God? And that was a verse uh, uh, you know, that I came across uh, recently again um, um, in light of this, and which, again, you may have heard in different contexts, but uh, Micah 6, 8. Uh, again, I'm going to turn to that and read it. Uh, so it looks away from Habakkuk. I'm sorry. Uh, right. So, you know, and just to give us some sort of, like, uh, preview, like, you know, you know, the Micah is basically saying, you know, what what shall I bring before the Lord? What shall I offer? It doesn't require burnt offerings, sacrifices, and, you know, what would he be pleased with? And then he ends by saying, he, you know, uh, he has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? And the answer to that is to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So acting justly, um, uh, how we live in this out on a daily basis? How do we, how do we seek justice? I guess as some of the version, versions would say, um, uh, in the things we do in, an, in our attitudes to what's going on around us, uh, our response to things going on in our city, in our neighborhoods. Um, when you see a wrong, do we make efforts to right those wrongs um, when it's within our power to do so? Um, and these are questions we should be asking. Uh, yeah, so our God is a God that loves justice, and uh, one of the things it requires of, it, requires of us is to, to act justly, right? And so not just in our response, but in the way we live our lives, um, the way we live our lives, the decisions we make. Um, now, um, love and mercy. Um, Jesus showed us a really great example um, in his interactions with people um, day to day. Um, he forgave, he had compassion. And so mercy is something you give to someone that they don't deserve. And when you love mercy, you're also loving, right? And then, I mean, love in itself, right? And uh, Pastor Manny was here last week talking about loving God with all our soul and mind and all our strength. And love takes effort, right? It takes strength. Um, we need God's strength to love. Um, when we live out lives, that, when we love mercy, when we're forgiving people, we're, we're having compassion on people, we're putting our hearts in places where... They will be squeezed. Um, our hearts are going to be um, are going to be. Uh, I don't want to say pulverized, but you're going to you're going to put yourself in places where um, you will be hurt. Like you will feel pain. You will you will bear the burdens of others. You're going to when you talk about empathy. When you, when you have compassion or something like Jesus was so moved by compassion. He saw you know the lame. Saw this person who's been suffering for years with these conditions. 
the kind of that's where we want to be. That's where our hearts should be, and and that's something we can experience when we seek to live this way um, in a way where we want to see God's compassion at work in the lives of those around us um, and acting it out, and then walking humbly with God. Um, and that's something Chris and I will talk about um, in the past uh, half hour. But uh, humility um, requires recognizing uh, uh, where you stand, like your position, right? And and when we see who God is for who he really is, and um, again, this is not something we can do in a lifetime. It's a journey, right? We understand more and more of him. But as we do that, um, we, we see him better. We know him more. And, um, and uh, we become even more aware how little we deserve of anything, right? And how much he really deserves. And, um, and that humility um, is something that is very... Uh, it, it's something that is very evident and it, it permeates every aspect of our lives and enables us to really seek that dependence on God that, yes, sure, I'm breathing, I'm living, I, you know, I have my job, I do whatever I, you know, do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it, but I only can do these things through the power of God um, that works within me. And so when we are, uh, and again, this is just but a part of this. Um, there's so many other dimensions to how we live lives of worship. Um, but when we are constantly seeking um, to do God's will, uh, to do what he requires, to do what he wants, right? Um, in John 4, right, he said, the, the Father seeks such, like the worship, people who worship in the Spirit and in truth, right? So God actually seeks people, seeks worshipers. Like, that's what it says, like. God is spirit, and those who worship him um, must worship him in spirit and in truth. But such are the, the worshipers the Father seeks. Like, so he's seeking worshipers, he's seeking us to be in that place where we're constantly. Um, and, you know, and it's a beautiful thing. It's not something, it's not contrived. It's not something where, like, oh God, I, I want to worship you, I'm going to worship you, and yes. But it's how we live our lives. It's your life. Um, it's, it, it's your life, and it's a testament to your worship. Um, and um, and just realizing and remembering that, and the more the more we experience God outside of these four walls. I don't know how many walls you have here, but these walls, right? The more we experience God, <laughs> um, yes. Um, the more we experience Him outside of these walls, then when we come in here on a Sunday, you know, you're singing a song. Um, some, there's some songs. I mean, just to be honest, there's some songs you sing, and you like, what is this? Like, what are these words? Like, I don't even know. You know, like, we do that. Yeah, right. I mean, I don't even. Not all the songs are like songs I necessarily connect with, and, and you know, I mean, so these are words, right? But God is working. God works in our lives, and every week, um, I don't know if you, you you've had this experience where you come into a certain service and someone, you know, there are five songs in the set, but someone sings a certain song that just really, really touches you deeply. Or that you just feel God has really ministered to you through that song. And, and the only way that can happen is because you experienced something. You went through something, right? You were in this and God brought you out. Or you were in something and God was with you. And then you saw that and you're, someone is singing that song. And you're like, this is me. This happened to me. Um, or when you're singing about God's glory, God's goodness. So that's something you've been cultivating. Like seeking more and more of who God is and understanding more of who it is. And when you're singing stuff like, I'm overwhelmed by you. I'm, I'm running to your arms and... And, and so our experience of God as a, as a corporate body is greatly enhanced when we are spending our entire rest of the week in that space where our hearts are constantly in a place of worship. And I, I'm just going to stop. I'm, you know, uh, we can't overstate these things. And, and so the, 
I guess, yeah, the prayer is really just like, God, yes, um, I want to worship you. I want to worship you in spirit and in truth. I, I want to seek you, um, and I want to uh, I want to live a life uh, of constant worship. Um, that is not circumstantial. That is not situational. Um, that's what God wants to see from us. And,
sing it all the way. Remember the world. Just worship God, no words needed. going to spend some time uh, in communion with God. You know, we're just going to stay where we are and just really uh, spend some time talking to God ourselves. And, talk to God and I just talk to him and ask him what's going on God I want to seek you more I want more and more of you and maybe you're in a period of dryness where you're not I just don't really even know anymore like what is all this stuff about like am I what is this is this is this real is this true and we all go through periods where we struggle and we wonder God is here and speaking to everyone and I try to talk to him and I just speak your heart to him tell him what you're feeling and ask him to, ask him to fill you up again God renew my strength Lord renew my spirit renew the right spirit within me thinking like God I want to I want to recommit myself to a life of worship I, I want to be in a constant state of worship where my, my heart is really speaking to you every second every minute and I just pray that you renew God our spirits Lord help us Lord to, to really enter into a deeper place with you Jesus wherever it is for each of us Lord in this room Pray that God we will be committed Lord, to seeking you, Lord Jesus, to knowing you deeply. That our knowledge of you, God, would inform our worship of you, Lord. That our response, God, would God would be based on who you are, God, who you are, Jesus. You, you are God, the Almighty God, the 
King of kings, the Lord of lords, the maker of heaven and earth, the one who was, who is, and who is to come. The I am that I am. That's who you are. The one who saves us, Lord. Do you realize, God, that we depend on you utterly for everything? I just pray that everyone in this room right now, God, would believe you are wanting more, God. Seeing more and more of you, Jesus. That our lives, oh God, would be would be books people can read and see, God, that our worship of you is genuine, God, from the heart. That we cannot manufacture it, oh God, but that you would draw us deeper, God. In communion with other believers as well, God, and other people that do not even know you, God. That how we live, oh God. Love and mercy, acting justly and walking humbly with you, God, would, would draw others to God into your presence, Jesus. And that we would all be worshipers in spirit and in truth.
going to close uh, this service uh, with communion, um, remembering God's sacrifice for us, uh, sharing and partaking of the bread and the wine, representing His body and the blood that He shed for us. I'll read uh, the passage, but let's uh, just go and get a piece each of uh, the elements and come back to it. Yeah, I'll just uh, hold, hold on to those. So I'll just keep talking. Okay, so um, I'll read uh, from Matthew 26, verse 17. Um, the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, Go into the city to a servant man and tell him, The teacher says, My appointed time is near. I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining on the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him, one after the other, Surely not I, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as, as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. And Jesus said, uh, Judas said, uh, the one who would betray him said, Surely not I, Rabbi. And Jesus answered, Yes, it is you. And while they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples. And, um, and so this was something Jesus did in a, in a time of pain. He was going through anguish, and one of his very own to, to betrayed him. But yet, calls us to do this in remembrance of him. Um, and so when we do this, we are partaking of that, of that sacrifice, of that body, and that that body that was broken for us, and that blood that was shed for us. And And so in view of all this, let us us do this together. So, uh, you know, Jesus took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat, this is my body. Let's eat the bread together. Then he took the cup, gave thanks and offered it to them saying drink from it all of you this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins I tell you I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it and kneel with you in my father's kingdom Uh, shall we drink the cup together Father we thank you so much Lord for what you've done for us Lord we're just grateful, Lord. We worship you, Father, for who you are, for the things you've done and the things you'll yet do. Um, we're just uh, in awe of you, God. And thank you for just uh, letting us be a part of this, um, of your work here on earth. 
I just pray, God, as we leave here, God, we, we um, depart to serve, God, in, in lives of worship, God, and, uh, every day, God. I just pray you bless each person here, God, today. In Jesus' name, amen.